Hello, and welcome to the Mint Goldust podcast. In this episode, we're talking to generative artist Bard Ionson. Bard approaches his art using computers, as he says it, like a big roller brush. He has a deep understanding and complete command over code and programming at a granular level, which allows him to use computers much the way a photographer would use a camera. He calibrates his instrument, prepares the scene using his innate artistic resonances as a guide, and then uses that instrument to produce the final result. And like a great photographer, the art created is often a discovery to him as well. Bard also creates fascinating utility in his crypto art, such as micropayments and hidden messages. With Mink Goldus head curator Eleanor Breeds and myself, we discuss with Bard his one-of-a-kind approach to digital art. Hi, everybody. We are very happy today to host uh, Bart Johnson, amazing artist that um, uh, who will take us through um, the journey of his art and his art practice. Um, hi, Bart. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So uh, uh, I've already had a little chat with Bart a few days ago, and he told me um, a little about his um, artistic career and his life. So I would like to start this conversation with a very uh, straightforward statement, which says that everybody can be an artist. And I would like to ask uh, Bart, what, he, what is uh, your take on this? Since we have people who really agree with the statement and people who uh, agree a little less. Uh, I, 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 uh, fully agree with that statement. Um, I come from, uh, uh, being inspired to be an artist by Nam June Paik, who, who, uh, was part of Fluxus movement. And he, uh, he fully believed that anybody could be an artist. And, um, uh, so I, I just think that anybody has that potential to be creative and make something artistic. And, um, I think it gives a lot of diversity to the to the world because everybody's going to create it a little bit differently, especially the the outsider artist or the untrained artist can create something totally unique and uh, kind of inspire the inspire the world to think differently about things. Yeah, and um, but you said that before this, uh, let's call it like a meeting with Namjoon Park Art, uh, you, I mean, it's not that you weren't an artist, but you were making art, right? Um, so like how, but then you said that when you started to uh, make art, uh, he has helped you focus on um, many things like he, he changed uh, your life especially your like your uh, mental uh, status and he helped you to focus on um, other things for instance during times like the Trump era um, like a mental escape so how did your life change uh, when again you understood that you can be an artist and what differences did you find between uh, before and after that yeah, I, uh, as you said, I was kind of creating art, not knowing it since I was a child on a computer. But uh, it just gave me the, the the freedom to explore that space, to try new things, and to uh, to actually show other people. 
so it's more of a change of doing it for myself and and then showing it to people and just the the ability it gave me to focus on something uh, uh, kind of to to shut out the whole world and focus on a single thing and to focus on just making that one that one piece of art like being in the present moment and uh, just the the freedom that gave to not have to think about or worry about what the going on in the world and explore uh, some of my feelings about what was going on and to express it in a in a visual way in my past I've done a I've always liked to write stories and poems and those sorts of things. So I kind of translated that over into a, a more visual art form. But I think it just gave me the ability to uh, to kind of present my ideas in a different way, in a more uh, kind of an oblique way. The art can kind of hide its meanings under under a pretty facade. And you can kind of communicate, you can get past people's barriers and communicate at a different la a level, a different layer, multi-layer. I don't know if that answers your question, but it was um, a lot of it was the ability in a mental health sort of way, just to get out of my own head and focus on on uh, on build making one thing. Right, Bart. So I wanted to ask Nam June Paik's influence was obviously a very formative one. So I wanted to ask what your artistic perspective and process was before that experience and then afterwards because it really sounded like that showed you a direction that resonated with you combined with the fact that you have a deep technological background that not every crypto artist has so how did those combine when you moved forward uh yeah the what i've always i've uh, i kind of fell into computer programming that's my my main my main career path um, but I, uh, I've always been exploring art, going to art museums, and that sort of thing. And at a, it was at a. I didn't really have an art practice until after I kind of met, quote unquote, met Nam June Paik. It was at a, uh, at a resort where they had lots of art. Uh, in every room they had like three pieces of art at least and one of the rooms had a a uh, a robot a tv robot called internet dweller by nam june paik he would take his video art and because you can't sell video art especially in the 60s and 70s he would embed the video art inside of tvs so he used old cr old tvs and he made he made this uh sculpture and it looked like a mask, like a uh, uh, African mask sort of motif. He made 13 of them. But I saw this at this resort, and it was just sitting there with the video playing on it. And his video work looks a lot like uh, early MTV. He was doing video. He's like the first video artist, basically, the pioneer of it. And so his his art is very psychedelic, and, and it... it it moves a lot, but it, it plays playing on these TVs. And so it kind of drew me in and I, I, it appealed to me because I'm come from a technology background and uh, I like taking apart technology and making it into new things. So it really appealed to me that you could make art out of, out of TVs. 
so that started me to research into Nam June Paik's life and his philosophies and his involvement with the Fluxus movement, his work with, he worked with Yoko Ono and a bunch of other famous artists, uh, Charlotte Newman, and uh, his wife was an artist who also used technology. But I just kind of explored all of that and found these 12 other internet dwellers. And then I just started trying to recreate some of his art using technology. I took old cell phones and made art. And uh, I took an old scanner that had broken and I pulled it apart and used the scan bar out of it to scan things, scan my face. It makes a, it got wet, so it, it's kind of damaged, but it makes a glitching effect. So it, it kind of gave me this freedom to explore technology and art together, realizing that anything can be art. It doesn't have to be paint on a canvas. It could be a computer or a, a broken computer or a TV screen. And so that just gave me, I just wanted to start to try to to showcase what I was making. So I started putting it into, trying to get into art shows, um, which wasn't very successful. Uh, I was exploring trying to make an artwork that used micro payments in order to, it would generate an artwork when someone paid a micro payment. And so I started exploring the blockchain at that point. And how do I do a micro? How do I do a, a micropayment? Um, the art was supposed to be a, a system that printed prayers. It was called Soul Scroll. From it was a it was in the book uh, Handmaid's Tale, but it would print out prayers, and then it would read them out loud. So I had a voice synthesizer set up on it. It would print out the prayer, and I wanted people to buy them by submitting a token like they did in the book they had to they had to pay they had to pay the government to get a prayer read aloud for them so i was trying to recreate what was in the book and that's when i started exploring uh, cryptocurrencies oh uh, so you got so you first got to blockchain and cryptocurrencies and later to crypto art or you started all together but also i have another question before we talk about this because you said that uh, i mean the main change is that before you were doing art for yourself and later you will do it for the audience i, I just i'm just curious if this affected at all like your practice or the way that you will create or at least like conceive and think about art now that you know that you have an audience and you are an artist uh I, I, it motivated me to spend more time with it. I spend a lot more time making art than I used to. Uh, what's another difference? I try to, I still like to explore new things, but I, I try to keep kind of a, I kind of keep a theme to it. it um, all my art is kind of related to each other in, in the way it looks or the way it's made. Um, I guess the main thing is just the volume of art I started making it increased as as people became more interested. Okay, yeah, and how, so we were saying that um, the, 
you got to know uh, blockchain and cryptocurrencies, it was um, uh, after that you just started to be in the crypto art space or it was a uh, different interest at the beginning? And when did you enter the crypto art space? Um, I started crypto art in November 2018 and with, with uh, Super Rare. I Previous to that, I was uh, just creating art and writing blog posts about it and then trying to uh, submit it to art shows. Usually they required some sort of fee uh, to, to be uh, curated and put in the show. They were... Uh, it was hard to do digital artwork because all the galleries do physical physical art. So I was trying to do a video art displayed on devices like old cell phones or old iPods. Um, and then the I saw on uh, Art Gnome one day, I'd come mm -hmm. across an article from Jason Bailey. Of course uh, you did. <laughs> and he was saying, I have this platform and they need artists and they can't find artists who want to put art on the crypto in the crypto world. And a few months previous to that, I had been exploring uh, Steam, Steamit. Um, it's a blog platform that uh, pays uh, Steam, a, a token called Steam for writing blog posts. And so I was already involved with that. So I kind of understood the whole cryptocurrency. So I jumped on that as soon as I could because I realized that I this fits right in with what I'm making. I'm trying to make this art that ha takes micropayments. And now here's this platform that basically takes micropayments as cryptocurrencies. With your, uh, you know, you're not just an artist that is creating digital art. You also have a unique to some people, like it sounds like a deep technology background. And um, so that equips you maybe, maybe again, uniquely, to uh, infuse the art with utility also. So like you were saying, uh, micropayment. So it's not, it's not something to just look at, it's something to interact with. So are there um, other you know, paths you've taken um, in the blockchain space or uh, projects that are kind of swirling in your mind that will make the art more than something people just view? Because this is something to interact with. And uh, like it says, it has utility uh, embedded in it. Yeah, I I do have one I'm kind of in the middle of developing. It's Can you let it out of the bag or not? Yeah, I can. I it's fairly complicated. Um, oh, okay. But it in, it involves a little bit of background is well, when I got into crypto art I started with AI art uh, by using a library from Robbie Barat uh, called Art DC GAN. And that was my first Genesis piece on on Super Rare was a a model of my oscilloscope art. So I built a whole model using Robbie's code to make oscilloscope art, and then it generated new art based on it. And so that was my first. That's the first piece I got accepted to Super Rare with. I wrote a blog post about it, and they got they got back to me right away saying we want you on the platform, but. So with the AI art in mind, I built these models. I put in like 
2,000 to 20,000 images to train a model, and then it it'll generate new new ideas and new images out of that, and then I curate it to find the best ones. But my my utility, my blockchain utility idea is to take one of those models uh, made from images that I uh, that I photograph and set it up in real so it's uh, streams in real time i want to put an installation piece in a public location and they can watch the screen morph it it'll morph between the images and you can watch it change sort of like memories of the passersby by mario klingman um, that sort of look and it'll also stream to the internet but people can pay in crypto to get a segment of the feed so they can hit a button mm. when they put their currency in and hit a button it'll freeze frame the video at that point uh, and cool. they'll get an nft image of that of that uh, video feed and i want to make it so they can get a, a video segment too maybe a higher priced item is a video segment from the real piece running and then i'd like to set it up where the the owner of the masterwork, which is the the model and the the uh, mm -hmm. the installation piece, someone would buy that as an NFT. So I'd put the whole model and put it on a file chain or something. But the owner of that would get a percent potentially get a percentage of the proceeds from each sale, and then oh. the muse and then the museum or the public place hosting the installation. I would split off some of the money in the contract to go to them to support the the running of the maintenance the o m costs of running this system and the bandwidth it needs and wow so you're really not just doing the art you're doing the full technology stack here the whole yeah <laughs> the whole nine yards wow that's that's incredible i feel like that's taking full advantage of the you know blockchain tech like the art is part of that right you know, yeah and, and also like uh yeah, sorry. And also it's it's like the um, it's like a souvenir, like a memory, like a photo of the art installation, right? That I can take with me. So like while right. I'm enjoying the installation and the performance, I can pick a moment, right? That I like right. and it, it, yeah, that's very beautiful. Right. And it so I I gotta I'm gonna have to write my own contract to do it and figure out which blockchain it's gonna sit on and there's a lot of oh. details. There's a lot of details I haven't ironed out yet. I uh, imagine. <laughs> for, for the subject matter, I want to I want to spend some time at Ghost Ranch, which is where uh, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe lived. There's you can stay on the ranch, and I want to take pictures of bones, animal bones against the sky. Take like ten thousand of them, and then run those through the model, and sort of get a homage to Georgia O'Keeffe. Very beautiful um also on that taking that idea and running with it so your uh, process of creating this like you said is to take pictures and then run it through the model um and what we've heard from some other people as well is that especially um creating digital art it's not just i'm going to make a you know make like a jpeg and put it up it's you're using a computer which is like a brush with kind of a brain and using that um you know whatever creative thing is happening here, it's going through that 
now kind of smart brush, I guess. And then you're coming out with an art piece on the other side. So is that something that has been um, familiar to you? Is that a process that, you know, you've been learning as you've been in the crypto art space? Or is that something that is just natural given your, uh, you know, it sounds like you have a very uh, robust technology background from you writing your own contracts and things like that. So is, is the art creation process changed when you've gotten the crypto art space? Or is it really just um, business as usual with kind of like a big, bigger palette and more opportunities uh, for expression? Uh, well, I, I started artificial intelligence art at the exact same time as, uh, mm. as crypto art. So it was a learning process on both sides. Uh, using uh, models and AI, it's kind of painting with a, a big roller brush. You, you kind of throw a bunch of data in and see what you get out the other end. And then if it doesn't Got look it. right, you throw some more data in or take some out or, <laughs> yeah. or uh, change the parameters of the code. Uh, so it's, it's, not, it's not a detail. It's not a lot of detail work. It's a lot of curation. You curate all the images going in and you have to curate the billions of images coming out the other end. Um, so it's a little bit different than most art. And, but I do also oscilloscope drawings and other kinds of glitch art. So I do a little bit of drawing, not much, but. Uh, yeah, and also uh, Bard, you, um you showed me a few series. I don't remember if it's one series or it's more series, but where uh, the subject is the coins, and um, yeah, I got very curious about that because I don't think that I never that I've ever thought about coins in that way. If you can just tell us what you know, like what they symbolize, like what they represent for you and for this art project. Yeah, I, I started doing coins because of the relationship between of the NFT between art and money. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, it it uh, there's a cohesion there that doing an NFT, you are tightly coupled to money, more so than any other artwork. I mean, the token is on the same blockchain. It's a transaction, just like a token like an ERC-20, it, mm. it kind of, it sort of is money. I know Damien Hurst is exploring that in his new artwork, the, the money uh, concept of NFTs. Yeah. But I, I started that in 2019. Uh, I started exploring these coins. So I took like 20,000 coins. I just scraped them off the internet, off of one of the websites for coin collectors. And I hand selected like 10,000 of them. It was a lot of work. A lot of it's spent months going through pictures of, of coins, and um, so to me, it's about it's about what is money and what is art, and is the art valuable? Is the art money? It, it's the idea of value. What does it mean for a person to have a piece of art? Do they think of it intrinsically or extrinsically valuable to them? So it's kind of exploring those things. The new artwork um, that I have around gold dust is also a coin-based uh, artwork, but I, I use challenge coins for it, which are coins that the uh, uh, military and other 
corporations give out to people as rewards for things. And so I found a bunch on eBay and on the internet and I loaded those in just to get some interesting subject matter that you usually don't see on a coin. And then I, I trained a model and generated a video uh, kind of around the idea of, of, again, value, what is money, what is art, and, and those sorts of themes. As some of my artwork I title with more uh, biblical references, maybe, like the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, I think I embedded that in, I embedded that phrase in one of my artworks using steganography. So in the side of the pixels, you can put data. And if you have the right translator, you can get the words or the images back out. So sometimes I put images inside images encoded inside the pixels, or I put secret messages in there. But it's like an Easter egg they're going to find down the road. Yeah. I, do, do, do you tell people about that? Or is that something that is, you know, that they will find out eventually? Uh, I usually tell people. But I have some. Oh. I have some. I haven't told anybody about. Um, but I, the last time I did that was like early 2020. I haven't done that much uh, lately. But there are some hidden messages in some of my stuff and some of my artwork. Do collectors get any private uh, key to like? I mean, not a private key of the blockchain, but like any key or password or. A way to interact and decrypt uh, the the hidden messages is is that anything that you ever embedded in your art? Like if I collect this NFT with secret messages, is is there any way that as a collector I can um, I can discover the hidden message? Uh, yeah, I I did that on two artworks in 2019. Maybe it's been a while, but I. I made one artwork that had a password in it and they had to, they had to, uh, they had to decrypt that one using some soft public open source software. They could decrypt that to find the soft, the, the code. And then they had to go to another image and, and open it and use that, that passphrase to get the, the image out. Um, and I gave it out to the collector once, I had a little contest I set up for people and so they, <laughs> wow. they won. It's a, it's in the museum of crypto art and decentral in uh sorry, crypto voxels. Oh, um, okay. The, the artwork is in their permanent collection, but okay. someone figured out how to decrypt it. So then I gave them, I, I uh, made an NFT of it and gave that to them. So that's amazing. Cause that's the, uh, I don't know if you're familiar. So in the courtyard of the CIA, they have like this wavy scroll. And actually the name is Cryptos, not for crypto art, but for cryptography. And it's a piece of piece of art where uh, it has three different panels and each one of them is a cipher. And he didn't tell anyone what they are and just put it in there. And uh, these guys, like they, they have access to the biggest computers in the world, but you know, to them, it's like a religion. So this one guy worked it out, um, you know, one panel at a time. I think it took him like a year. But what you're doing, it's it's not the same, but it's it's like the, the digital 
equivalent, like again, with your tech background, uh, there's so many possibilities beyond creating something that you just look at and having this, uh, you know, it's like a puzzle. It's like a, what's that Leonardo da Vinci thing where the cryptex or whatever it's called, where oh, yeah. there's so many, so many things that you can do. And I, for, for me, I mean, I, I go to a museum all the time, but, uh, like MoMA and things like that, but where here, where there's art and there's a puzzle and there's all those things intertwined, I mean, all of a sudden I feel like the stakes have just been raised, you know, it just becomes so much more interesting when there's so many more things, uh, involved like that. Yeah. The, the crypto sculpture, they, uh, the last panel still hasn't been solved. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, yeah, he made that one cause they're all different ciphers. Uh, yeah, the first one, but what was so, um, insane about that one. Cause I remember being really obsessed by this a while and there, I actually signed up for a, for a Yahoo group where I would get 10 messages a day about people trying to solve the crypto sculpture. People just got obsessed and, uh, but he didn't give them any clues. So they had to find all the keywords for that. Like the first keyword was palimpsest, which is some sort of like old writing stylus, but it's insanely hard. Uh, I, so I don't know if your things are quite, you know, you're trying to like, you know, screen people from the NSA, but um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah, I know the third one hasn't been solved. So do you have any um, things like that coming up where it's uh, you know, where you're intertwining all these, um, cryptography and puzzles and things like that? Uh, no, not, not really. Uh, I throw yeah. it in there every once in a while, but I haven't come up with a, I haven't come up with a new cohesive concept for it, for it yet. And, yeah. and usually it's so difficult. People lose interest quickly. I don't know. I had a hard time kind of capturing people's interest the last, last time I tried it. Um, because really? the market is moving so quick, it's hard to determine That's what true. people are really interested in. Right. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I haven't found people that want to go down my rabbit hole, my personal rabbit hole. <laughs> they're they're out there. People get you know they will. There's people who want to be in that rabbit hole. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> internet's a wide place. Yeah, and and following that about uh, what you said, the crypto art space, I, I just wanted to ask you, because Bar, you have been there for a while now. I mean, it's uh, 2018 with Super Rare. Uh, I think that they just uh, launched in May 2018. So you arrived in November, but like uh, really one of the OGs. And um, what do you think about, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know your perspective and your thoughts about where the space is going. And also, what do you think about the space, like all these newcomers to the space and like the space getting bigger? Like, does it affect you think the community or what do you think about the current situation in the crypto art world? It's a lot bigger than it used to be. Um, in the in the early days, I was just having fun interacting with, you know, the the twenty or twenty five people on Super Rare at the time, just kind of playing off each other's art. We would we'd do a lot of I'd see other people's art and I'd make something kind of to one up them or uh, it was kind of a lot of playing, having fun and playing around. Um, recently, that's just. It's uh, just bigger. It's harder to keep up with and uh, figure out how to 
how to get uh, people to look at the art. Uh, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are moving. I, it's people seem to be moving away from the pure art into more of the 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 collect the collectibles. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 apes and the bored apes and all the different generative art type work. Um, I know that this it's a little bit harder to sell things now just because of the, the amount of artists that are on board which is which is good and bad we have more people to to uh, support and to, to find in the art space and I'm always finding new artists that I like that are in the NFT space uh, people that inspired me in the past show up one day doing NFTs um, so I think the market for pure, it, it, the kind of the standard art is kind of dropping down. I think people want, they want to see another level, another layer to it, like the mm. the uh, utility functions like locking or, or puzzles or kind of making it multi-layered, make it more interactive, interactive art. Mm. So I found with the more interactive art styles, like on async art. Yeah and uh art blocks is that it takes me a lot longer to make art to, it, it it has to be a lot of different layers a lot of interactivity and you have to test all those different scenarios that people are going to run through it and right. make sure it's cohesive and it's it's uh so i've found that i've i've slowed down on on the amount of art that's created just because of the time it's taking like this huge project I have in mind for the uh, the, the the generative uh, inst the, installation uh, piece, Ghost Ranch. The Ghost Ranch, yeah, piece is that it's going to take me. It could take me a year to figure all that out. So, yeah, but the yeah. the the development though is amazing. I like a few like a month ago. I we did a research. Um, together with an art historian and myself, because I was talking to uh, Giants One, who is a VR artist, and we try to trace like the involvement of the audience in the art pieces throughout the art history. So like starting with Leonardo and really getting to the uh, VR world and also what like, you were talking about. Um, Although it takes more time and it's more difficult, it's it's amazing to see how. I mean, it was amazing to see like throughout the history how it changed. For instance, you had you have this like Apollo and Daphne statue uh, by Bernini, and if you only see it from one side and you don't go around, you don't get the full story. Mm. For instance, right? So it's like different right. ways. Um, from artists to interact, uh, uh, right? Like with really the involvement of the viewer. Uh, but I think that what you're doing, I mean, this this project that you're talking about is is amazing. I mean, really, like really given the possibility to the viewers of creating their own memories about you know this time that they're spending viewing the performance. It's just. Uh, I think like another level of really like of, of involvement. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've always wanted. I've always been interested in installation art. It's just I, it's 
I don't have a place. A lot of it is there's no place to put it. Uh, I don't have a, a venue to put it in yet. So it's, I sometimes hesitate because I can't store all this stuff somewhere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like I need someone to buy it first so I don't have to store it. <laughs> but right. Let's get a flatbed truck or something. <laughs> Just driving. But it, yeah, but it is like, but it is interesting the history of art and how it how it keeps evolving and changing, and how new technology gets infused into it. An artist learns a new technique with some kind of new paint, and suddenly everybody copies it, and then it it grows on that, and just the the history of technology and art kind of become intertwined too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'll find them. Come on, you'll find a place. You'll you'll find more places. If, if you want, you can always do public art, which is very much amazing. So, Bard, <laughs> what is um, gold dust for you? Uh, for me, when I read the story about gold dust, about it being in the in the weave of the bags that it was stored in, I thought of I thought of how I take. Uh, in the AI world, in the AI art type scenario where I take a lot of meaningless images like just from the recesses of the internet that aren't really being used and then I, I run them through a model and I create something more beautiful from all the scraps. So for me it was a lot thinking about how I take even old technology, old I recycle technology to make artwork out of it. So the idea of taking old things and reworking them and making something artistic or beautiful or something that has a message to it. To me, art is a lot about uh, communicating emotion or an idea. I, I like ideas and concepts hidden inside something that looks is just for beauty um, or even ugly. but. Just it, to me, it, it reminded me of taking all the problems of your life, like, you know, the, the, the story of you taking all the lemons from your life and making lemonade. Uh, <clears throat> just the idea of taking uh, all the experiences of your life, the good and the bad, and reusing them and making something that uh, inspires other people or communicates some universal idea or truth to the to to people. So that's that's kind of what I thought of when thinking about gold dust. Thanks again for listening to the Mint Gold Dust podcast and thanks again to Bard for joining us and sharing his insights. You can find out more about Bard at his website bardionson.com and in addition Bard is one of Mint Gold Dust 8 Genesis artists who is creating a unique NFT centered around the theme of gold dust from Mink Gold Dust launch, which you can find at minkgolddust.com after the launch. Thanks again, and we will catch you next time.